And welcome back. Thank you for the text messages. I'm Ryan Recker. You can find me online. I have a website. It's ryanrecker.com. Oh, that really hurts looking at the Dow Jones. So the Dow Jones drops below 30,000. So it dropped 669 points today to 29,407. That's what we're looking at. Down about 2.23%. You heard from our last caller right before we went to break from Tammy, who said she's getting ready to retire. And what she said, she's five in the last five days, she's lost how much money? 20 grand to 30 grand in a retirement fund. This hurts. The Federal Reserve came out, was it yesterday or two days ago? And they were talking about another uptick in interest rates and what that means long term to try to help with this inflation. But the latest quote from the Federal Reserve is that uh, this is going to hurt and it might hurt for a while to discuss this. Explain what's going on. A professor of finance at Stockton University, Dr. Michael Bustler, thank you for coming on to WBEN. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. As you know, it's always my pleasure to be here. And I have always um, enjoyed our conversations in the past. You're so good at explaining these sort of things. So before um, we really get into it, with the Dow Jones being down below 30,000 and then the interest rates going up a couple of days yeah. ago, and, and they're using that as a way to try to help with inflation. Uh, can you kind of explain, has the gradual increase of inflation rates actually made a difference? Has it helped the economy at all? Uh, well, uh, it's not uh, designed to help the economy per se. Uh, it's designed uh, to get rid of this inflation problem before it turns out to be something that's sort of embedded into the system, and it becomes very difficult to get rid of it. Um, incidentally, th- this whole problem, or at least a big chunk of this problem, is due to the Federal Reserve's policy. Um, last year, in 2021, they did absolutely nothing as inflation started to become a serious problem. Now, why do I say it was starting to become a serious problem? Well, uh, typically, the consumer price index, which I think is the best measure of inflation at the consumer level, prior to the pandemic, it goes up maybe one-tenth or two-tenths of a percent every month. And if it does that for 12 months, an entire year, you're looking at about 2% inflation for the year, and that's about where we were for a number of years prior to the pandemic. So it goes up about a tenth or two-tenths of a percent. January of 2021, it went up three-tenths of a percent. February, it went up four-tenths of a percent. March, it went up six-tenths of a percent. April, it went up eight-tenths of a percent. Clearly, we had an inflationary problem building. Historically, at least since uh, the 1980, the Federal Reserve stays ahead of any inflation problem. And if they feel that there is, or there's some indicators rather, that inflation may be a problem, they start to gradually nudge up interest rates, just like they did at the end of 2016 uh, to the end of 2018. Inflation looked like it may be a problem. So the Federal Reserve raised interest rates a quarter of a point. They did it uh, eight times over a two-year period, and it was enough to reduce inflation and not enough to really hurt economic growth. This time, with all that inflation building, they did absolutely nothing. In fact, they said the inflation is temporary. They used the word transitory. It'll go away all by itself. We don't have to do anything. So the Federal Reserve continued to vastly increase the money supply by buying $120 billion a month of government 
securities and they buy it simply by electronically printing up more money, expanding the money supply. So they continued to vastly increase the money supply and they kept interest rates near zero. It wasn't until March of this year, March 2022, that they said, hey, I guess this inflation problem is not uh, transitory. Indeed, it was up to 7% by then. So they said, well, we're going to have to start nudging up interest rates. So they raised interest rates a quarter. They finally ended the bond buying program in March of 22, and they raised interest rates a quarter of a point. Well, after a month or two, they realized inflation had gotten even higher. A quarter of a point at this point isn't going to do anything. So finally, they said, look, inflation is um, a, a serious problem. One of the goals of monetary policy is supposed to be price stability, keep inflation moderate. Um, and, and Chairperson Powell said, listen, we're going to have to do what we have to do to fight inflation. And what is that? They need to take enough demand out of the economy to reduce inflation. And they do that by raising interest rates. So they went up three quarters of a point in June. We haven't had a one-time increase of three quarters of a point since uh, 1994. They raised three quarters of a point in June three quarters of a point in July and another three quarters of a point last week here in September. It's still not enough. They're so far behind um, the problem behind doing anything about it that they're going to have to get very aggressive. Inflation took a little bit of a pause in July and, and August, mostly because energy prices fell dramatically. And that's mostly because the U.S. and China, the two largest economies in the world, are actually in a recession that reduced demand for energy and brought prices down. Starting September, October, November, we're going to see a return to higher inflation, and that's going to cause the Federal Reserve to uh, get even more aggressive with interest rates and raise them higher. Let me make one more point. Uh, if we look back in history, uh, in the 1970s, the Federal Reserve did nothing about inflation. It was a very serious problem. Finally, in 1980, 1981, uh, Paul Volcker, who was chairperson of the Federal Reserve at the time, said, look, inflation is up to over 10 percent now. We have to get rid of the inflation problem <clears throat> before it gets deeply embedded and we can't get rid of it. So he raised interest rates above the inflation rate in the double digit levels for all of those of us who are a little older you may remember a 16 to 18 percent mortgage rates back in 1981 it did get rid of the inflation problem however it caused a very severe recession and that's what my fears are now because the federal reserve had this what i refer to as shockingly irresponsible monetary policy last year they have to get very aggressive raise interest rates um much higher than they even are t today the stock market says well that's going to cause a recession corporate profits are going to go down my stocks aren't going to be worth as much and that's why you're seeing a big sell-off in stock the last uh, few days Wow. Okay. So that is a very good overview of everything that is going on. And I wonder, too, uh, just to reset, Dr. Michael Bussler is yeah. a professor of finance at Stockton University joining us now. This is going to hurt for a lot of people. And going back, a lot of people keep talking about, oh, man, uh, we can't find labor. We can't find labor. And I wonder how much of the feds try to rely on that notion, thinking that they could afford 
to uh, shrink the economy because even if you lose jobs during a time like that, at least the labor will still be there to fill in the gaps. But I don't think that's reality. And I think that maybe some of the ways they're estimating the economy today is they must be using the wrong metrics because the way people, what they feel at the dinner table and the way they feel right now, I think is completely disconnected with the way the feds think the economy is running right now. And it makes me wonder if all of this is going to be moving in a way that's unexpected and it's going to take a wrong turn because of that. Okay. So you brought up a very good uh, point here. Uh, Even though the economy has not had economic growth since the end of last year, we had two successive quarters of negative growth in GDP. That's the classic definition of a recession. Now, the Biden administration says we're not in a recession. And the reason is, if we were in a recession, unemployment would be sky high. Unemployment is under 4%. Therefore, we can't be in a recession. Now, what happened was <clears throat> we have a severe labor shortage. Today, there are 11 million job openings, roughly, and um, only 6 million unemployed people. So you mentioned uh, business people say, look, I haven't been able to get uh, uh, people to come to work. I'm operating at less than um, um, my full employment level, the uh, number of people I need uh, for my uh, business. <clears throat> so actually, that's going to make the recession a little bit milder, we hope, than in prior recession. So uh, wh- why is that? Typically, when you get a, into a recession, the unemployment rate goes way up. People become unemployed. They have less income to spend. That means demand goes down in the economy further, and it makes the uh, recession worse. This time, what's going to happen is unemployment's going to go up, but not nearly as high as it has in past recessions. All that's going to happen is those number of job openings uh, will get reduced significantly. A real quick example uh, You have a small business person. He says, look, I need 10 people to operate my business efficiently. For the last year, two years, I've been operating with only nine people because I can't get anybody to come to work. Well, if his business slows down, he'll simply stop looking for that 10th worker and operate his business with only the the nine. So in this recession, you will see some unemployment. There will be layoffs in some industries. The unemployment rate will go up not as as high as it has in past recessions, but rather you'll see those 11 million job openings shrink dramatically. Okay. I wanted to bring up an argument from the Biden administration. Joe Biden has said this, and I wanted to get your take on it. Whenever the economy is brought up and we're talking about the struggles that a lot of people are having, their defense is it's happening everywhere. Everyone's dealing with the same thing. All the other countries are dealing with the same thing. This is a worldwide problem. So it has nothing to do with what I did. It has all to do with how the world economy is right now. Do you buy that? Is there truth to that? No. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, um, we're not primarily concerned with what's happening anywhere else. We're primarily concerned with what's happening in this country. Secondly, and most importantly, The rest of the world just did what the Americans did. The Americans shut down the economy. The rest of the world said, well, time to shut down the economy. The Americans passed this massive stimulus package and kept passing it. So um, other countries said, well, I guess that's what we have to do. Start giving out free money to everybody like uh, the Americans did. Um, The Americans kept interest rates near zero and kept expanding the money supply all through 2021 
must be the right thing to do. We're going to do the same thing. So he's right that the other countries are in as bad a bind as we are. But the reason it's not that they're operating independently. The reason is they're doing the same thing that the U.S. government did with in terms of fiscal and, and monetary policy. And to say that he's not responsible for, for this, um, you know, is really a stretch of the, the uh, truth. There are four reasons why we have inflation. And let me go over them real quickly. One, um, Biden says we shouldn't use fossil fuels anymore. As a result, he restricted the supply of fossil fuels. And whenever you restrict the supply of anything, the price goes up. And that's part of the reason, a big chunk of the reason why energy prices rose. Secondly, he paid all these people not to work anymore. He got unemployment. The federal government added money to it. They kept giving you all this extra money. Uh, so people are reluctant to go back to work in order to lure them back. We've had to raise wages. You say, well, that's good for the workers, and it is. But it, it creates wage inflation and higher labor costs. Thirdly, the federal government in the last three fiscal years, 2021 and 22, which gets over next week, um, the federal government spent nearly $7 trillion more than they brought in in tax revenue. That causes so much excess demand that is pure inflation. And fourthly, the Federal Reserve had their uh, terrible monetary policy last year. So the Biden administration and the Federal Reserve really caused this inflationary problem. You can't blame it on Putin. You can't blame it on uh, anybody else in the world. And now some of that contributed to inflation. That's true. But the bulk of the problem is due to the fiscal and monetary policy um, used during the Biden administration and the Federal Reserve during the last year and a half. I wanted to bring up an article I saw because just yesterday, maybe the Bank of England upped their interest rate, too, and that became big news because it was one of the highest hikes they've had in Ever. maybe a decade and a half. A long time, yeah. But yeah. their rate is still lower than ours when it comes to the interest rate. But they're yeah. seeing higher inflation. I think their inflation is like at 10 percent, 11 percent or something like that yeah. over in the U.K. Yeah. So is that kind of proof of what you're discussing? Since our interest rate, the Fed rate is a little bit higher here in the United States, you're seeing that the uh, the uh, problem that we're having with inflation is starting to lower a little bit. If they were to go up, is, is that something that you see other countries basically scale it the same way as the United States in hopes to try to lower their inflation? Yes. And you're going to see the central banks in most industrialized countries continue to raise interest rates going forward um, because they see what the U.S. Um, uh, Federal Reserve is doing and they tend to follow that. But also they know that raising the interest rates and taking demand out of the economy will bring down the inflation rate. Uh, England's problem with more than 10% inflation, they're going to have to tighten up on the money supply even more and raise interest rates uh, even more. At this point, that's about all you can do to bring the inflation problem down, and it must be brought down as quickly as possible before we um, develop a nasty wage price spiral, which is very, very difficult to break. I'm just glad I'm not retiring anytime soon. Uh, this is hard. This would be a bad time. Let me ask you about, <laughs> is the retirement for Social Security age at 70 now? Is Social Security going to be around in 20 years? Uh, no, the retirement age, I think, is 67. It goes up, um, I think, three months for every year or something. It's about 67 right. now. Now, you brought up the number 70. In my view, and this is a minority opinion, I think, but the only way to save Social Security and Medicare 
is to raise the retirement age significantly. I think it'll have to be raised at least to 72 and possibly as high as 75. Now, let's take a look at that. So when Social Security was instituted in 1935, um, people retired at 65. The average life expectancy was 67. So you only collected for about two years. Today, the life expectancy is uh, into the 80s. And it's not unusual to see people living well into their 90s and some people living over 100. Well, you can't have somebody paying into the system, you know, for 40, 45 years and then retire at 66, 67 and then try to collect benefits for the next 30, 40 years. The system <laughs> simply doesn't it isn't going to work. So it's a good thing. People are living longer. People are healthier. That's all good. But Social Security is going to have to change so that people the re- retirement age for Social Security is, and Medicare uh, are both going to have to go up significantly. Now, people want to retire earlier. There's no law against that. You just have to plan for your own retirement, save your, your own money. If, say, I want to um, re- retire at 65 and I can't collect Social Security until I'm 72 or 75, then you're going to have to um, raise your own funny uh, money, you know, plan for your own re- retirement, at least until the Social Security kicks in. Yeah, what's going to happen is you'll get Social Security the same time your pitcher's on a schmucker's jar. <laughs> That's how long it's going to take. Uh, yeah. Dr. Michael Bussler, professor of finance at Stockton University. Um, overall, they're talking about this lasting until next year, until things start to stabilize. Uh, how long do you believe until we start to actually see things stabilize again? I think you're looking about the middle of next year. I think the inflation problem is going to get significantly worse in the next couple months, especially with food. You're going to see food prices that have already gone up 13 percent overall. You're going to see food prices go up even more. Now, real quick, why do I say that? Two reasons. The farmers that I talk to tell me their costs have gone up significantly. They tell me they're paying two to three times Uh, for fertilizer, what they paid a year ago. They're telling me they can't get labor, so in order to get labor, they've had to raise wages. And uh, lastly, they're telling me, look, you say the price of gasoline is down, that's great. All my equipment operates on uh, diesel fuel, and it's Hmm. still $6 a gallon or $5.50 a gallon. So you take a look at all those costs. I can't sell my crops at a low price, it'll put me out out of business. So they're going to seek higher prices, number one. And number two, on a worldwide market, about 25% of the world's wheat supply and about 10% of certain grains uh, comes out of Russia and Ukraine. And right. although they've let some ships out now, the supply coming out of there is significantly reduced. All of that mm. means much higher food prices going into the fall. Wow. Scary there. Uh, we got to go. But Dr. Michael Bussler, professor of finance, Stockton University, if you do a quick search for his name on social media, he's also an author. You can find some of his work online. Dr. Michael Bussler, thank you so much for coming on to WBEN. Thank you. It's always my pleasure, Ryan. Look forward to doing it again. He's so good at breaking this down, and I would definitely encourage you to do a quick search of his name and read some of the articles that he writes on a regular basis, Dr. Michael Bussler. Uh, We're going to take a break, and coming back, I want to talk about some of Lindsey Graham's comments and his proposed legislation on the federal level for abortion ban. President Biden responded to that today, and what he said really surprised me. We'll get to that after the break on WBEN.
There you go. Money, 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 money. It scares me. <laughs> I'm uh, Ryan Recker. You can find me online, ryanrecker.com. A couple of great text messages. Uh, enjoyed that last guest, talking money, economy. And I would encourage you to look him up online, Dr. Michael Bussler. He's a professor of finance at Stockton University. He also writes for a couple of different publications, mostly, you know, online websites where they talk about finance and whatnot. But worth taking a look if you enjoyed that last segment. So, uh, oh boy, it does scare me if things are getting worse and worse and worse. This is like the worst time for me to be moving. I don't even want to think about it. But, you know, when you're unemployed and you're trying to look for a job, you kind of have to go with the flow of with the way things are and it's not always perfect timing i guess so i wanted to point out a quote that came in today and i was very confused by this quote if you are someone that attends a church i'm very curious about some of the teachings of your church and if you're a catholic i'm very interested in what they say on your sunday service that's if you attend sunday service and you listen to the priest do they ever talk about abortion? Um, I, I thought to myself, do I want to bring this up? I mean, is this is one of those topics. It's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of played out. Everyone has the same thoughts about it. But again, I'm not trying to rehash the debate, the Dobbs debate from the Supreme Court. I'm not trying to rehash the morality of it. But just a couple of days ago, Senator Lindsey Graham came up with a proposal it's called the Protecting Pain-Capable Unborn Children from Late-Term Abortions Act. Essentially what the act says, no abortion after 15 weeks, and there's exceptions to save the mother's life, rape and incest. I think those are the three common things that most people look at if they are pro-life. They'll say, okay, I kind of understand these circumstances. It's not how I feel individually. Uh, I look at it wrong as wrong. But let me point this out. It's not about the abortion debate here. The thing that surprised me is that President Joe Biden came out and said, not even my church is that restrictive. And I thought to myself, he's a Catholic. Are there actual churches practicing today that are okay with abortion? Is that, a, is that even possible? And I wanted to open up the phone lines because it really confused me. It, it did. It confused me to think that a practicing Catholic through his entire life would say, not even my church is that restrictive, meaning that he looks at 15-week ban after the 15-week period, a ban on abortion is something that even churches would look at as radical. No, that doesn't make any sense to me. So if you're a churchgoer, tell me about this. Is there any instance where your church actually says abortion is okay? I'm very curious about this because I've heard of very radical churches and those that are very left-leaning and very liberal and anything goes. And I always assume that even on the stance of human life that you can't even in those liberal type of churches agree that abortion is okay. But maybe that exists and maybe you attend one of them and I want you to tell me about it. I'm just curious. 716-803-0930. 716-803-0930 is the number. We can take text messages too if uh, you don't want to call in. But so uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, he's been on a lot of the late night talk shows and he'll talk about this and good for him to be able to bring this up. The Supreme Court case, the Dobbs case, is one that said there's not a constitutional protection for abortion, meaning that the states have an ability to legislate this on their own end. On the federal side, they also have the ability to legislate this or come up with laws. 
in his proposal is that a federal level would say no abortions after 15 weeks, except for the cases of rape, incest, and to save the mother's life. And then afterwards, I guess under those circumstances, that it wouldn't be a federal guideline. There wouldn't be a restriction in that sense. Some states may have restrictions, but on at least a federal guideline, it would not. And when I even look at it from that standpoint, to say 15 weeks, that's pretty far along. I mean, in fact, that's very far along. And the name of the bill itself, Protecting Pain-Capable Unborn Children, also is, you've got to take into consideration, that is a human life. A lot of people look at it as a human life at that point. Even people that are pro-abortion look at it as a human life. And we're talking about the capability of a heartbeat, organs, forming of fingers, and also forming of toes, facial features, the ability to feel pain, nervous system. You're, you're talking about a lot of things are forming at this point. I think that shouldn't be too controversial for most people. But for the group that go to church, for the group that are of faith, this shouldn't even be in question. In fact, I can't even imagine an instance where a preacher or someone that is a leader in a church could stand up in front of their congregation and say, here are the exceptions where we're going to allow ending of a human life for abortion. In fact, I, it just boggles my mind, even as a Catholic that Joe Biden claims to be, he's part of the Roman Catholic Church, after Joe Biden came out with these comments, an official had to come out and make a statement because of this. And here's the statement from the Catholic Church. It says, from the first moment of his existence, a human being must be recognized of having the rights of a person, among which is the unavoidable right of every innocent being to life. End quote. That's the Roman Catholic Church's stance on this. And historically speaking, the Church has always been pretty conservative when it comes to topics like this. I know it's not as of late. But the Catholic Church, of all people, I think should be on the same page as this. And I don't know how the president can come out and say, no, even the church I go to says it's okay. Wait, what are you talking about? So there has to be instances of people listening right now that know about this. And let me, let me bring this up, too. Is it just a topic that doesn't come up in churches at all? Are the pastors or the preachers, are they afraid to bring up these topics because they're afraid to drive people away from their church? That should be telling, too. When I moved to St. Louis a couple of years ago, my family and I, we were looking for a new church. That's just what happens when you move. And you visit churches not exactly knowing what you're going to walk into. Sometimes you walk into a church, and there's a laser light show and fog machines, and they pretty much have a water slide in the baptismal. And they have, okay, a little tongue-in-cheek saying that there, but you know what I mean, this type of church. And they get up there, and it's like a rock concert. And the preacher goes up and says, hey, you know, everything's fine. Everything's great. You know, this is what it's all about. And the idea is we got to get so many people into our seats. We're going to try to make this as appealing and as broad as possible that we're not going to talk about the things that are controversial in the Bible or what our beliefs should be. We're just going to, you know, talk about the prosperity of the Bible. We're just going to talk about the love of it, but we're going to ignore everything else. And I thought, are those the type of churches that would be okay with this? It, it really shocked me, not that this bill came forward, because I don't think it's an unreasonable thing at all. I sh was shocked that someone that was a Catholic his whole life, President Joe Biden, would come out and say, not even my church would be this restrictive. And I thought, maybe they haven't talked to his pastor or his preach or his uh, uh, preacher there. 
Because if the priest isn't even talking about this sort of thing, then maybe he's fallen asleep. He's not paying attention. Or maybe this is something that a lot of churches don't talk about. I don't know. Uh, Mary, let's take your call. Welcome to WBEN. Hello. Hi. Uh, Hi. I'm a practicing Catholic. I have been for 70-plus years. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, in in my parish, um, they don't really say anything. And I've noticed this. So we go to a couple. Um, we go to a couple different ones during the year. Pennsylvania does, but I think New York is so afraid of losing their um, their tax, you know, tax five hundred one c three status or their church, you know, tax free status that they won't say anything. And I I believe that that's <clears throat> the teaching hasn't changed. Joe Biden must be asleep, or he's on drugs in church. If he goes, but yeah, well, he goes. We know that. I mean, he goes home like every weekend, and they put it on his schedule that he goes to church services. Let me go back to what you mentioned about New York because I'm a little bit intrigued by this. Yeah. Do you believe that the state is persecuting churches based on what they're preaching? They're actively looking for cases to try to question their tax exempt status based on what they preach. Is that going on? I don't know if it is, but I mean, that's why I always thought that as an accountant, that's why I always thought that the churches didn't, at least, you know, this, this is Springville, but they never said any, you know, thing here. I know there are other parishes that are more in um, the right to life um, mm-hmm. movements, and maybe their parishioners are a little more liberal than the ones we've had, but it isn't 15 weeks. It isn't. Any such nonsense. Yeah. I mean, and I'm. <laughs> I no, mean, I get I it. And I, I will say this when it comes to the teachings of a church, I understand there's going to be people in the pews that may look at things differently. But right. when you're talking about the pastor, the leader of the church, going in front of the church and saying, this is what we believe, a profession that abortion's okay under these circumstances, I was shocked to think that ever would happen at any legitimate church, let alone a Catholic I, church. So it shocked I, me to hear the president say that. Uh, well, it is in a Catholic church, and I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I know the Unitarians, and some of them are more liberal, but I know Baptists are extremely conservative, too. But they don't get up there and say that. I don't know what what he's talking about. And, okay, thank you. You know, his, his bishop or something should get on line and do it, but, you know, they won't. But I do think, you know, they'll go after churches. Okay. If, they, if they have the opportunity, I think they will. They closed gotcha. us for how many months? Wow. All right. Uh, thank you very much for the call, Mary. Here's okay. the phone number. If you want to tell me about your experiences, because, again, this really shocked me what the president said. And I'm a person of faith. I believe in God. I'm against abortion. And to think that there could be churches out there that somehow give a pass or are okay with abortion really surprised me. Uh, 716-803-0930 is the number. Tell me about your experiences. I want to read some of your text messages, too. Give us a call now. And I, I do this in a way where I'm just curious more than where this is acceptable. I'd really like to try to figure out why or how that's brought up, logistically speaking. Or maybe some of you will defend what Mary said. Maybe it's just churches are afraid to bring it up. They're afraid that, you know, someone's going to report them, and they could be looked at as talking politics, and now, oh, you're going to lose your tax status, which is another scary thing. I, I really think that is a lousy thing. 
if you believe something is the word of God and you are withholding that information from your congregation and you're a leader of that church because you're afraid of losing your tax status, then you're really doing a disservice to the people that are in those pews. And for the most part, I don't know too many instances where tax-exempt statuses have been threatened. There might be like two cases in the past couple of decades, if that. Maybe, if that. So it's got to be super rare. Um, Let's look at some of these text messages here, but really I'd like to hear from you at 716-803-0930, the experiences you have. Uh, Maybe Biden doesn't know the 15-week time frame. Okay. One person said, hi, Ryan, I'm a Catholic. And I have never, ever, ever, ever heard that abortion in any form is allowed from the Pope on down. Some pastors choose not to talk about it, but that's it. If you do talk abortion, it has always never been. Okay? Uh, One person said, it's like if they're okay with 15 weeks or later abortions, then they should be asked to not get mad whenever there's a... Okay, I won't read that. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to skip that side. I don't even want to say that out loud. Uh... Passed out or asleep in the back limo. Okay, one person says maybe he missed that message. Does he know what a church is? So I think a lot of people are on the same page as I am. I just don't get it. I'm scratching my head about all this. Let's go to George on line one in Williamsville. Welcome to WBEN. Hey, great. Listen, um, I, um, I kind of I, I agree with a, a big part of what you're saying, I, and I want to just self-disclose. I was raised Catholic, but I'm kind of I'm a very agnostic. I'd say atheist right now. Um. I'll tell you one quick story about a rabbi I met from Waynesville. He was on a, a panel with uh, a Baptist and some Protestants and a Buddhist and I think some, a Sikh leader. And um, the moderator asked them all, like, well, who do you think religion is the best? And the Buddhist said, well, they're all great. And the Protestant said they're all great. And I think even the Catholic priest said they're all great. And they came to the rabbi, and he's, he's a really cool guy. He's down on Hopkins Road. I'm not going to say where they're from. But he said, my religion. He's like, what kind of rabbi would I be if I didn't think mine wasn't the best? <laughs> Yeah. And um, okay. what I agree with you is, like, if, if I was Catholic, I mean, that's your job, dude. <laughs> um, you better, you, you know, if I hire you to um, to drive my bus, I don't want you to have a motorcycle license. I want you to believe in what you believe. And if you're, if you're going to be a radical priest, that's cool. But um, I, I'm not cool with uh, a priest not following their um, – what they're dedicated to, to say they're supposed to be following because that's, that's hypocrisy. And, like, and Biden doing the same thing is I'm not real – cool with that either. Yeah, and I would say that it's more than just a job. I look at it as more of a calling. And if you're called to do that and you can't address this, then... I I apologize. You're right. Yeah, but I'm saying if you have a calling to this and you can't find yourself fulfilling that calling, then maybe you don't have a calling for it. Like, this should be a wake-up moment for a lot of churches if they're in front of their congregation and have to speak contrary to the Bible. And if that's what they're guided by and they can't be guided by it, then maybe they don't have the calling. I, 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 and still, I understand there's going to be people that always disagree inside of the pews. And I get that. I, I understand people have different perspectives. I would encourage them to go talk to their pastor about these specific issues if they have any question of something they disagree with. But I don't think I've ever found an instance where a preacher or pastor has been in front of a congregation and has said abortion is okay under certain circumstances. It, it just shocked me. Okay. I've never heard that either, but uh, but uh, but I agree. You're the general the general gist of it. It's like you know, don't uh, well, no pun intended. Practice what you preach. Yeah. <laughs> and you got a okay, great George. Thank, thank you very much. much. Have a great have a great weekend. Call back anytime. Okay, appreciate it. Uh, real quick, let's go to Dennis, who's holding on. Dennis, we only have about thirty seconds. Go ahead. Yes, I was wanted to comment. Uh, basically, I'm Catholic. I've been Catholic all my life, and I think what's happened, uh, things that I've read, is the Catholic Church has caved. 
for the last 100 years, or at least the last 60 years, especially after Vatican II, and has kowtowed to the, uh, to the culture. So uh, most of your priests don't mention this uh, publicly on the pulpit for uh, fear that they would offend uh, the more liberal leaning, which is the majority of Catholics nowadays. And uh, wow. that's the That's interesting. Part. It's so foreign to think liberal-leaning Catholics because they were so right-leaning for many decades. Uh, we'll take some more of your calls if you want to keep talking about this after the break. 716-803-0930. Thank you for the call, Dennis. This is WBEN.